All right. Well, hello. Uh, my name's Sam. This is Attendance Questions. So today I'm joined by Dr. Christian Sheridan. Dr. Sheridan is an associate professor of English and the English department chair at Bridgewater College, where he teaches courses in classical, medieval, early modern literature, poetry, medievalism, and popular culture. Uh, he received his PhD from Tufts University, and he's published numerous articles on ekphrasis, depictions of mercantilism and the economy in medieval and late medieval texts, as well as the use of puns in medieval literature. Christian, thanks again for uh, agreeing to join me today. As a medievalist, I gotta ask, were you happy or horrified when James Comey invoked the Henry II's apocryphal quote, will no one rid me of this turbulent priest during his Senate testimony? Uh, I was fairly horrified since it wound up with the uh, assassination of Thomas Beckett. So although I may, um, may have shared the sympathy, I wouldn't really want to articulate it in that way. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, I mean, that, that sort of segues right into my first question, which is what, what about medieval culture, medieval literature, what does it tell us about today um, that, that it's, it's worth us uh, listening to? Um, I guess today, I mean, one thing that's on everyone's mind is that the world is never the same after a pandemic. If you look at the world before 1348 and you look at the world after 1350, uh, especially in England, they're very, very different places. And I think that we're probably looking at a kind of similar shift in, uh, in, in the way we go about our lives um, after we come out of this coronavirus. So I have a I have a, a super obscure you know I, I mentioned the the Henry the Second quote and the, and Thomas Beckett um, I have a, a super obscure trivia nugget that I just picked up on this morning as I was sort of tooling around on Wikipedia and I wanted to see I don't know how 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 deep into the uh, Thomas Beckett Henry the Second trivia you go but here's the question and how I'll pose it what does the murder of Thomas Beckett have to do with contemporary professional wrestling. I have no idea. Richard, or Reginald Fitzurse, mm -hmm. one of the four knights, knights yeah. that killed Thomas Beckett, evidently is rumored to have fathered the McMahon clan in Ireland. That's, you know, so after he was, he was uh, excommunicated and had to go on his pilgrimage, um, you know, there, there are apparently, I didn't know this, there are some rumors that, that he of, among the four was the only one to sort of return and, and fathered this, this McMahon clan in Ireland. And one of the famous descendants of the McMahon clan is Vince McMahon, who is the, the founder and the, the, the patriarch of the WWE. So, so there you go. A little, uh, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy that you didn't know that one. Yeah. <laughs> We'll All right. <laughs> so uh, I talked with Scott Suter yesterday and he's from the area. He's from uh, the Shenandoah Valley. We are not. Uh, so where are you from? And what would you say is the biggest difference between there and here? Uh, I guess I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, uh, although I did grow up for part of my life in Louisville, Kentucky. So uh, start with Brooklyn. Uh, the lack of good Italian food. There's got to be the biggest difference between here and uh, Central Virginia. Uh, you know, where, where I'm from, you can walk down the street and go to three different Italian specialty stores. Here, not so much. Um, I would say, actually, growing up in, in uh, going to high school in Kentucky, it's very similar. Um, it's kind of has that kind of mid-south 
vibe to it. Um, at least when I was there, uh, my understanding is much, much bigger now, but when I was growing up, it was very much like Charlottesville, I would say. I noticed that too. I mean, Pittsburgh is not necessarily known for its Italian fare, um, but my wife is from the Philadelphia region and that certainly is. I mean, that's a, that's a Italian heavy city in terms of Italian food. And, and she's often said, you know, I can't, there's no place that you can get any good pasta, any really, you know, there's just some good pizza places, but you know, uh, in terms of when, when her parents visit, um, you know, that's all, that's what they want to do. Where's, where's the best Italian place? And we sort of scratch our heads and say, ah, I guess we'll, we'll make something. So, so, yeah. But yeah. all right, here's, here's the first silly question. Well, it's actually not a silly question. It's, uh, um, uh, it's the ship of Theseus question. So, so here's the, here's the layout. Um, Theseus had this ship, see, appropriately titled the ship of Theseus and Theseus's ship Every time that he would sail off to battle, a little part of it would be damaged, such that when he returned to port, he needed to replace that part. And he did this again and again and again, battle after battle after battle, year after year after year, such that eventually, after 10 years' time, he had gone off to battle and gotten it, the ship had been damaged, and he returned to port and replaced that part. Every single piece of the ship had been replaced. So the question is, is it the same ship? Is it the same crew manning the ship the whole 10 years? Let's say no. Let's say the only thing that sustains, well, the only thing that sustains would be Theseus. Hmm. I would say no. I mean, I, I was going to, my answer was going to be if it's the same crew, it's the same ship because it's, the ship is just the vessel and the, quite literally the vessel and the crew are uh, are what make the ship but if it's only theseus i don't know um i mean well no maybe it is i mean if he stays the same it's his ship so yes uh, i'll change my well answer. so there so so the so in other words there's not a shipness of yeah. theseus's ship there's not like an essence that resides somewhere and and the identity of the ship has has nothing to do with its physical well maybe it does i mean so, so the identity of the ship, does it have anything to do with the physical components of its ship? Or is it primarily just, just in the captain or just in the crew? I would say it's just in the captain and the crew. But the ship and is you just would the say vessel. then, too, that Theseus has remained the same? Yeah, now that's a different question, right? Because you know, you're always going to be different every day. So um, from his perspective, I think, yes, it is the same. Maybe from our perspective, he seems like a different person, but his identity probably does not change that radically over hmm. that time period. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're placing a lot of faith in his, his mental fortitude. I mean, if he's had to have so many battles that his ship has been basically <laughs> destroyed, I mean, that's got to have, have an effect on somebody. So. That's um, true. All right. So next question. Uh, yes. what, what, what's an album? a musical album that you think everyone should listen to? Probably dating myself, but I would have to say the Joshua Tree. Oh, nice. Oh, that's a good one. Well, hey, don't worry about it. We did talk to Scott Suter yesterday. So in terms of dating yourself, I think Joshua Tree is, uh, is a little bit, he, he said blonde on blonde. So, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. So for, uh, for, for those that don't know you, you uh, two's Joshua Tree. So what about it? What's, what's the, it, the, the it, what is sustained for, for, for that album for you? The kind of variety of the songwriting, uh, I mean, the quality of the songwriting and the variety of the songs. I mean, you have very contemplative, slow-moving pieces, and then you have you know, the more hard pieces like Bullet the Blue Sky, and somehow all coheres into one whole. Um, 
in a personal note, I mean, I think I also I also saw them live during that tour. So I think there's a, a personal connection to it that makes it stand out in my mind. Is there? That was before the giant lemon, right? Yes. Okay. Good. 19, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nineteen. Oh, you, you sort yeah, of you tapered yeah, 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 off yeah, there, Christian. Nineteen eighty-seven. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked the, that. Was one of my um, when I would drive to school in the mornings. That would one of the albums that I would always listen to would be. Uh, well, actually, it, it was the it was the greatest hits album. But most many of the greatest hits, the YouTube's yeah. greatest hits, came from that particular. Have yeah. you been to Joshua Tree? I have not. No. Yeah, I, I have I not actually been. I've been as far west as St. Louis, and then I've flown to California once. But other than that, oh, I am no. very much an east of the Mississippi yeah. kind of person. It's it's the for for somebody who who grew up, you know, with near people always. And like in between cities, there are still lots of towns. Um, the West terrifies me. It's just, it seems like there's, you know, you're in a hub and then nothing. And then you're in government land and then nothing. And then, you know, yeah. So it's, uh, and I think it's like that all the way in, you know, into sort of Southern and, and Western, Eastern California. So, all right. Uh, next goofy question. Uh, what is the best kind of candy, and why is it Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Uh, I don't know. I don't actually like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <gasps> All right, the interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now I found when I ask this question of students, there are oftentimes of, of two persuasions, two camps. One would be uh, chocolate candy. And then the other would be sort of the, the like sweet gummy or uh, like a, a I don't know, like a Jolly Rancher style candy. Do you have a preference one way or the other there? Uh, I, I think I am a complete apostate. And I say my favorite candy is actually white chocolate. Oh, no. My, oh, Christian. My wife, <laughs> my wife is still, won't forgive me about this, but you know, all the, when I was growing up and you know, everyone else was getting a nice dark chocolate or milk chocolate bunny for Easter, I insisted on getting white chocolates now. There's, and I will say to my students, oftentimes there's, you know, even though we can't agree on the best kind of chocolate uh, or the best kind of candy, we can all agree on one thing is that white chocolate Reese's peanut butter cups are an abomination. So, but that's, that's, yeah. that's interesting. What was it about? Uh, I'll try to hold it together here. What was it about? <laughs> <laughs> well, white chocolate, that's, that's a weird, uh, well, all right. I won't, I'm prejudging you. So it's, um, I always found it sweeter than regular chocolate Interesting. and well, creamier actually. Mm. It's all technically right. not chocolate, right? It's, it's, I don't think it is. I don't think it has any cocoa in it at all. I think it's essentially, you know, kind of butter and cream. Interesting. Um, but. All right. Uh, so what are you, uh, what are you watching these days? TV shows, movies? Uh, would you believe I haven't watched anything that isn't aimed at a six-year-old since we've been home? I totally believe it. I've been watching a lot of DuckTales. So. Yes, I've watched, uh, let's see, my viewing yesterday included uh, an episode of Caillou, two episodes of Dinosaur Train, uh, and something called uh, Pocoyo. Which oh is yeah, this, I like Pocoyo. Yeah. yeah, which is has the saving grace of being narrated by Stephen Fry. I was going to say, yeah, that's um, you know, he, I could, I think that was putting to the test whether or not people would actually listen to him narrate anything. So, yeah. um, I had oftentimes thought I would listen in to, to Stephen Fry talk just about anything. So why not? Sort of a uh, a goofy nonverbal cartoon. Yeah, I really like Pocoyo. Actually, it's a good uh, 
Although that might be the Stockholm syndrome talking. I don't know. I mean, it's yes. uh, when you start to laugh at the jokes of, uh, of your, of your child's programming, I think, you know, maybe it's time to distance yourself. <laughs> so I just read, um, Ken Follett's pillars of the earth. And then my wife and I just watched the, the mini series. Have you seen that one or read that one? I have not seen it. I have read it. Yeah. What did yeah. you think? Um, I thought it was an interesting take on a soap opera set in, you know, the build around the building of a cathedral. Uh, enjoyable. I guess I would say I, I, I did read it. Um, I wouldn't assign it in a class uh, to read for medieval literature, but I certainly would recommend it for anybody who's interested in medieval stuff and wants a summer read. That's a good way to kill a couple of days. Yeah, that was, um, that was, that was sort of my, my thought on it as I was reading through it. It's like, man, I'm, I'm, sort of blowing through it's a 900,000 page book or something like that um they're two and I was of them, like, right they're they're two hefty hefty volumes oh yeah. are they so i just read read the one yeah, I I, well maybe it was one. a it was a combined oh. i didn't realize it was, oh well now i've got some more reading to do so yeah. i mean this one took me up to this goes back to the thomas beckett murder so this took took me up past that is that was that in the second book or was yeah it, um, and then there's the the factory building of the cathedral at some point is is interesting um, so all right. Well, so I would not recommend the miniseries. Um, it was the only saving grace there was that it had Ian McShane in it, um, which, but you know, I'm used to him from Deadwood. So there was significantly less swearing. He played the, uh, the, the bad Bishop, the Waller and by God. But um, yeah, I thought, I mean, it made me wonder if these sort of contemporary, like you said, sort of soap operatic, uh, retellings or situated, you know, historical things do more damage or more good for a particular time periods, culture and literature. Um, I would say they actually do good um, it, because they actually, they get people interested. I mean, yes, they, they distort the stories, they distort the history, but they at least get people interested. I think most of the students in my classes are there Many of them are there, for instance, because of Game of Thrones, which is not even real, but they, they at least are interested in it. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would argue that, that medievalism is, is a po net positive uh, nice. for those of us to study medieval culture. Cool. Good. All right. Uh, last silly question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, because the bread is not on both sides. A sandwich has bread on top and bottom. So is a hamburger a sandwich? Yes. A hamburger that you make at home with a bun that has one side together? Because you can get those sort of, you know, the, the buns that, that aren't- Flip over. Yeah, yeah, right. What about a hoagie? Yes. But, uh, hoagie now, is a sandwich? By I, your standards. I, when I, well, now, the, now we're getting into the hoagie grinder sub- I think of a hoagie as being the bread is cut horizontally like this split in two and then stuff put on and then the top put on top of it, which makes it a sandwich. Interesting. So you, you actually all the way through. Yep. Interesting. Rather than stuff it. As a, yeah. So, as a, so, so a, a non split sub sandwich is not mm -hmm. a sandwich as such. I would, it I is would a, it is, is its own category of food. Yes, it's a it's a grinder, I guess. That's that's how they would do it in Western Massachusetts. They'd slice the bread vertically and then shove stuff in it. Oh, it so we'll see now. Like like in Philly, they'll they'll cut into this like horizontally, but not all the way through. 
Oh, and then flip it over and then... And then, well, then fill it like, like you would a hot dog. And so, well, like the filling would be sort of not stuffed, but I guess placed. And then the, the you know, sort of like they make them at Subway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what about, so whatever family we want to call this, this family of sandwiches, is a taco a part of that family? Mm. And we'll make it even, even more challenging. We, we'll, we'll, we'll disregard the, the corn hard shell tacos for a minute. We'll just focus on a flour tortilla taco as you might get at a uh, a place like taco bell i'm gonna to have to say no again because it's a single piece of uh bread product now i would say if you took one flour tortilla put a bunch of stuff on it and put another one on top of it i would call that a sandwich sandwichness for me is defined by having two separate pieces of bread with something in between them does it matter what the filling is no no so, so conceivably, like a, like a, if you didn't pinch the crusts, a pie is a kind of a sandwich. Yeah. I guess I may, I may have to add a, a, a to my definition and say that uh, you have to be able to eat it with your hand. So if you can pick up your pie and eat it with your hands. I mean, who can't? <laughs> Look, you don't get to be my size by being all mamby pamby about eating your pies with a fork. No, you don't need I mean, a fork. Is, just no, go. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I straight up Homer Simpson the pie. <laughs> all right. So uh, your turn. Ask me a question. Uh, so, Dr. Hamilton, what is your next fitness challenge? I know you met a big benchmark in your, your weight training. What's your next fitness challenge? Uh, so I don't know because this whole situation that we we found ourselves in, I haven't touched the barbell in in you know a couple of months now. Um, so I've been I've actually been jogging and not hating it. Uh, and I actually wow. I, I I yeah I know it's it's I almost sent you a message the other day and I said look I have a confession to make uh, I actually kind of enjoy jogging. So I don't know I think it might be like a maybe a five k or a ten ten uh, k or something. I probably a five k. I've not I've not ever run a five k. Um, which I know is, you know, I think that's like somebody saying they've never deadlifted or something, you know, but I've never run a 5k, you know, but now that I've, I've really, the only opportunity that I have to exercise is to go out and, and walk, not today it's raining, but to walk and jog and things like that. I've been doing that on the trails and I find trails to be so much more enjoyable than like walking on a, on a loop where I just sort of feel like I'm not going anywhere or doing anything. Um, and I often, you know, the other day I was, I was at, uh, you've been to Purcell Park in Harrisonburg? I don't think so. It's pretty nice. They have one of those old school, um, like wooden playground structures, mm-hmm. which of course, you know, nobody's allowed to enjoy these days. Um, but beforehand, it was one of, you know, one of those, those structures that they built like in the 70s that, that slowly got phased out because they're dangerous and bees, you know, hide in them. Anyway, they have a nice path that goes around it. And I found myself, my, my, ed, my earphones, the battery died. And so that I thought for sure that was going to be the end of it because if there's one thing that I can't stand while exercising is hearing myself breathe. Um, and, but for some reason I just sort of got into uh, a bit of a trance state and I was just listening to my footfalls and sort of timing my breath in between my footfalls. And I was legitimately, I lost track of time and that has never happened to me jogging. So I think long answer or short answer to the question is probably 5k will be my and I'll try to hit that before, uh, you know, probably in the next couple of weeks, try to try to get up to a 5K. What's that? But like three 3. miles. 3.1 miles. 3.1 miles. Yeah. So, all right. I'll, I'll get back to you when I, when I do that. So, I think I'm up to about two miles. So, 
I'll, you know, walk 5k, but I'm, you know, I want to straight, of course, my jogging is not much faster than my walking. So anyway, oh, well. All right. Well, so thank you very much, Christian, for being present today. Uh, I enjoyed hearing from you and I look forward to seeing you again, Sue. Uh, what parting words would you like to offer to everybody? Uh, well, besides the usual, stay safe, everyone, stay social distance. Uh, I look forward to seeing lots of you back on Bridgewater's campus as soon as possible. Uh, I agree. Miss the, miss the community that we have there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good, good parting words. Um, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. So. Okay.